may it be all of you and none of me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, mothers, if you all stick around for the beginning portion of this uh, study, we're going to lift you guys up in prayer this morning. Happy Mother's Day. And if you guys have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. I titled my study today, Calling All Mothers, and this is going to be a special Mother's Day study, taken out of Luke, I'm sorry, instead of Luke, John 19, verse 26 and 27. Uh, as you guys know, recently, I was, I, I was recently married and went from being under the care of my parents to now beginning a new family. And I'm humbled by the way that God has blessed me with a wife who, who cares and understands me uh, and understands also um, her responsibilities as a woman. It's awesome. And I'm seeing a little better, and I myself am understanding, um, just as I watched Lisette uh, clean and cook over the last few weeks, I learned more of how much my mother did just by watching her, how many responsibilities, all those years. And so this Mother's Day, I would like to ask all the moms to stand up here uh, in service, and we're going to pray and ask God the Lord would bless you guys this morning. If you guys would lay hands on your wives, your mom. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mothers in this room. For those who are even listening online, we we pray, Father, for a, a special blessing on these mothers. We pray, Father, that you would anoint them, fill them by the power of your Holy Spirit, with your love, your goodness. May they see the blessing of the Lord in this land, in this age that we live in. Give them, Father, joy beyond their wildest imagination, Father. Your word says, Father, that we haven't seen, we haven't heard what the things that the Lord is going to do. And I pray, Father, that would be true in our mother's lives. Continue to lead them and teach them, Father, how to, to care and nurture the future generations, Lord. Protect them and bless them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, on the last Good Friday that we had a few weeks ago, I I taught on seven statements recorded from Jesus on the cross. It was during that dark hour of of the crucifixion that seven things were uttered from Jesus' mouth. But there was one statement in particular that stood out to me in in a way that I had not so closely examined before. In relation to Jesus and his mother. In John chapter 19, if you look at these two verses, we're going to be going back to these verses continually in this study. But in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, when Jesus was on the cross, it says, In verse 26, 
When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So we see here this picture, this scene on the cross. Jesus is there fulfilling his main call, which was to die for the sins of the world and to later be resurrected. And in this moment of suffering, in this moment of trial, we see Jesus caring for his mother Mary. It's a selfless act that we read in this passage of Scripture. Again, the title of my study today is Calling All Mothers. And my first point of this study, point number one, a call to be selfless towards your mother. Here, Jesus is in excruciating pain on the cross. He's dying. He is disgraced before those who opposed him and his, his family, his loved ones. And he asked of the father on behalf of his executioners, if you guys remember when he was there on the cross, one of his first things he asked, he said, Father, forgive them for they do, they do not know what they do. Pleading for the sinner. Forgiveness. That was his mission. And then he even gave a assurance to a sinner, the thief on the cross who was next to him, asking for grace. And when that thief who was on the cross said, we're guilty, this man crucified with us is innocent. Jesus said to that man, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then it was after this moment that he then turned and saw his mother, Mary. And I would imagine that in that moment, all those memories of her care, love, and comfort rushed to Jesus' mind. All those moments in his life where as a little boy, his mother cared for his wounds, kissed his, his cheek, and tucked him to sleep. You see, it's, it's a unique relationship, the, the bond between a mother and, and her son. That love cannot be measured. It can't be calculated. It can't be engineered by people. And it is in a mother's nature, God-given nature, to nurture and love and care for her son. In Isaiah 49 verse 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget Yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. See, even in the world that we live in, there are mothers who do abandon their children. We do have that, tragically. But the Lord's saying, I will not forget you. And he's speaking to Israel. And the Lord will not forget his children. In Isaiah 66, verse 13, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You see, the prophet Isaiah knew that God had put it in a woman's heart that when she has a son, 
to care for that son, to care for her children, to care for her daughters. Recall with me, if you guys will, in, in Luke chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but when Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, Jesus being 12 years old, when they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, as they would travel in groups, oftentimes the, the woman would actually lead and go ahead of the men in groups as they were going on this Passover festival. I think the reason being was they knew they needed to leave earlier because it took a little bit longer for them to get ready or to travel. Just saying. Now, on the return journey, if you guys remember, Mary and Joseph traveled a day's journey once the festival was over, and then they began to realize Jesus was missing. And I'm certain Mary at that moment became frightened and was worried for her son, anxiously looking for him, Joseph and Mary. And of course, it had to be Joseph's fault somehow. And they returned to Jerusalem only to find Jesus there in the temple, listening and also speaking with the Jewish leaders there. In Luke chapter 2, he documents, he says in Luke 2, 48, that when they found him, it says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. See, Mary was worried. She was looking for her son. This is the heart of a mother. This is what we see of a good mother. I remember once I'll tell you guys this story. Uh, we were on a family retreat in Lake Silverwood. And my sister and I, were, we were little kids. We were probably, I was probably like seven years old. And we had a few other kid friends who we were running around with near Lake Silverwood. And we decided to go on a nature walk all by ourselves. We wanted to go explore. And one of the older teens, he led a group of us, us little ones, for quite a while down some creek. And it was getting sunset and it started to get dark. And we were having fun and scaring ourselves and telling scary stories as the, the night was coming. And as we came back, uh, I remember coming back and finding my parents who were quite upset. I'll never forget that my mom and dad, they were mad at us. And that especially they were mad at this older teen who led all, a bunch of us little kids. And they were worried because they didn't know, we didn't say anything. We just went and left. And we got in trouble that night. I remember that. I don't remember what the punishment was, but I remember I was in trouble. You see, the heart of a good parent is what keeps moms up at night. They'll stay up even till that moment when you're trying to sneak back in the house. And if you were like me growing up, you saw that love and worry quickly turn into anger and some kung fu fists coming at you. But that's the heart of a caring mom. I, I watched my mom do that for all of us growing up in, in our household, staying up when we were out late. And there's nothing that can compare to that. That, that mother's love, it's, it's selfless and it, it, she would die for her children. Which brings me to my second point. It's a call to be responsible for your mom. Again, look at John 19, verse 26 and 27, our verse. It says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved 
standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. So the disciple whom he loved, who is that referring to? John. John the beloved, not John the Baptist, but John the disciple. One of Jesus's closest disciples and friends, John would be of this three-party close relationship with who was involved with, with Peter and James, and then there was John, and they were always seen close to Jesus of all the 12 disciples. He was there at the transfiguration when Jesus went to the mountaintop and Moses and Elijah appeared and Jesus was glowing white. And John, the beloved, was also there at the raising of Jairus' daughter when Jesus raised her from the dead. And John was also there called, especially with Peter and, and James, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus went to pray alone with the Father, he brought those three along. He said, you three come with me. I'm going to go over here and watch and wait as I pray. See, Jesus loved John, which is why John rightly titled himself John the Beloved. You know, sometimes we make fun of John saying like, oh, why, why would he call himself John the Beloved? He thought highly of himself, but the word is true. John was loved by Jesus. He was resting on Jesus during the Last Supper. So there was a, a, that tight bond, that relationship So as Jesus looks now to his mother, as he's hanging on the cross, he's thinking about how Mary is going to be taken care of in the future. You see, by this time, it's most certain that Joseph has passed away. The Bible doesn't mention him anymore besides the beginning of Mary and Joseph when the angel is visiting them, telling them that Jesus is coming So we believe that he passed away. He's not mentioned during Jesus's public ministry. So that means Mary is a widow and Jesus, her son would have been along with some of his brothers taking care of her. And now that Jesus is going, he's leaving his earthly ministry. He wants to make sure that she's taken care of. And it's at, a time when Jesus had every right to think about what he was going through and how to endure the suffering that he was taking upon himself. He could have just been thinking about how he was going to get off the cross or how he was going to get back at the people who were doing this to him. But instead he was thinking about his mother who would care for her after he was gone. You see, Jesus should be the one to care for her in her elderly stage, but he's going to go ascend into heaven. So he made sure that John took this role in his stead. What does the Bible say about taking care of our parents? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
You see, that's what we're compared to when we don't take care of our parents. You've heard it's interesting how we come into this world and we're put in diapers and someone needs to take care of us. And then we grow older and then eventually we get put in diapers again and someone needs to take care of us again. But if our, our parents did that for us when we were little, we should make sure we're taking care of them when they're older and in diapers. Maybe not. I pray that, honestly, to be transparent with you guys, I pray the Lord takes me before I ever have to get into a diaper. But still, we, we are to make sure they're taken care of. How sad is it when you see those people in old folks' homes, convalescent homes, and their, their children don't even visit them? And, and then the, if you hear the, the horror stories of the nurses who, who don't care for them, who beat them and, and, and treat them terribly... We, we can't allow our, our, our parents, as Christians, as believers, to endure that, to go through that. The Bible equates us to an unbeliever if we're allowing that. And, and then there are those cases when there's, you don't have the ability to always be there. Well, I at least make sure that they're taken care of. You have to make sure that they're, you, you have to check on the nursing homes that you're putting your parents in. Can't let them be going through that torture. In First Timothy chapter five verse four, again, it says, "If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety, godliness, at home, and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God." You see, we're supposed to honor our grandparents. And this is what, what God says is, is a blessing. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. You see, there's a, a promised blessing when we are taking care of our parents when we're honoring and respecting them, obeying them, that will, our days will be long on the earth. You know, even gangsters know how to respect their parents. One time my parents and I were unloading some furniture. We were, I think we were helping my sister move some furniture and this probably some, I, I'm going to refer to him as a cholo. I don't think that's bad to refer to someone as a cholo. He seemed kind of cholo-y. But he was watching me from the balcony, unbeknownst to me. And then he called out to me and he said, hey, dude, you got to help your dad, man. And what he could see was a uh, lackadaisical spirit in me. (laughs) Kind of like, I'm I'm here, I'm I'm willing to help, but I, I wasn't really given my best effort. And he could see that in me. He could read it in my body language. And then my parents even, I remember they, they said, oh, no, he's, because he's, we were having a conversation about something. They tried to defend me a little bit, but I knew in my heart. So right then and there, in front of the guy from the roof, I, I looked at my parents and I said, I'm sorry. And I was a Christian, so I felt like guilty, like all over. I was like, man, here I am, some Christian. And this cholo is telling me, to like, hey, man, no, he says, no, nah, he wasn't helping. He was, he was lacking. He said that. And it, 
you know what? It, it's right. We do need to make sure our, our parents are, are being helped. We do need to take that step. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You see, there's an order to the Christian home. Now, do you guys allow your, your children to decide when they get to go to bed? How, did you do that when you were raising your, your kids? Did you say, oh, you could pick what time to go to bed? Or did you say, no, we have bedtimes at 8 p.m., 8.30, 9 o'clock, and there's no dinner after that. You guys either eat and go to sleep, right? Why? Because there's order in the home. And in that same way that there's order between parents to children, there's order even in marriage. Now, people have problems with what I'm about to say. People do not like what I'm about to teach you guys. So remember this because this teaching that I'm about to give you guys is contrary to what the world teaches. But in Ephesians chapter 5, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about a Christian marriage, order in the home. In Ephesians 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. All of a sudden, I might have lost some of our ladies here in this moment. Maybe not. But this is what the Bible teaches. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the guys part. It says, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You see, there is order. There are different roles that as husbands and wives that we take. It doesn't mean that we are in different rankings. We are equal, but we have different roles. Well, maybe there's a, a wife here who's saying, well, my husband doesn't follow God. Well, Peter has some words for you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, Even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observed your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. You see, you guys are supposed to submit unto the Lord. I'm supposed to submit unto the Lord. And in doing this, we fulfill the, the roles that God has called us to. I'm going to continue in that, in that Ephesians verse, chapter 5, verse 25 now, for the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. 
So we are to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. At the wedding that me and Lisette were at the ceremony that we were just in, Scott said this very thing. He said, what did, and what did Jesus do for the church? He died for her. So as husbands, we have to die to, for our wives. How do we die? L- not literally. Don't go walking out in the street and get hit by a car. That's not how you die for your wife. You die to yourself, your own selfish desires. Those things that you want to do that she doesn't want you to do, those have to go. You have, they have to let that die. In order that you can present her to the Lord. See, there is that moment in a wedding ceremony that usually a father or someone in the father's stead will walk down with the bride and present the bride to the groom. Now, that father or the person walking with, down with that bride represented that this woman was in their care. The father cared for his daughter until the moment, and he still did after, but once he placed the the hand of the groom into the hand of the bride, he was saying, now this woman is in your care, not mine. And husbands need to lead with the word now, with love. And how do we expect to have a good relationship without first strengthening our relationship with the Lord? You see, 1 Peter says husbands, in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. You see, we need to dwell with understanding, the Bible says. And that is a hard thing to do. We have to give them honor. You see, Jesus never said being a Christian was easy. He said there was trials, tribulation promised to us. And maybe we haven't gotten those answers to our prayers because we're not giving honor or trying to understand our wives. We're trying to be successful elsewhere Yet in our own marriages, we're failing. And why do we want to be blessed in other areas in in our life? Yet when it comes to our marriages, we're not taking care of one of the most important callings. You've often heard your, your family is your first ministry. This is true. Your family is your first ministry. Which brings me to my third point. Point three, a call of endearment. Again, look at John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. It says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And I want to look at these words. He said to his mother, Woman. See, he calls Mary woman. See, calling Mary woman was not how you might think of it today as as a belittling term. 
was actually an endearing term that Jesus was calling Mary woman. He called her woman in times past. If you guys remember at the wedding in Cana, Mary went to Jesus and told him of the problem that they had arrived that had begun at a wedding. There was a problem. You guys remember they ran out of wine. And that by this point in time, it's clear that Mary believed that Jesus could fix this problem somehow because she's sending people to Jesus to try to fix the problem. And she explained to the, uh, the people who were going to go to Jesus, do whatever he says. And in John chapter 2, it documents this. In John chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said to her, A woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now again, Jesus is not calling Mary woman and, he do, and then just ignores what she asked. No, he actually performs the miracle. So he's not dismissing her in some rude manner. He's reminding her, however, that his main mission and calling was not going to be fulfilled at this time. But he still honored his mother. He loved his mother. And this term for woman, it was his pet name for her. It's like, woman, what is this concern? My, my time's not yet come. All right, come on, let me go do the miracle. And he knew that in her mind, in her heart, she did desire to see his role fulfilled as Messiah, which she might've been getting a little excited for. But he still... He had that loving relationship with his mom, communicating to his mother. I should be calling my mom. Sometimes I, I, I'm not, uh, I don't get homesick often. Throughout my life growing up, whenever I would go to places, Texas or South America, I, w- I would need to be reminded, call your mother. My wife reminds me, call your mom. You know, because sometimes I'm just, I'm a lone ranger out there. Sometimes I feel like, and... It's, it's good that I, I keep that communication, that we keep that communication to love on our moms. So when Jesus from the cross is calling out to his mother, woman, this is an endearing term. And it was one with love and also discretion. You see, he didn't call her out mother also because he didn't want to put more attention on her than was necessary. She's there at the cross. There's people who are condemning Jesus. So he calls her woman. And this brings me to my fourth point. It's a call to care. In John chapter 19, again, verse 26 and 27. Let's look at verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You see, this is the calling to care for our mothers. John took this role. How has God called you personally to care for your parents, to care for your mothers? You know, it's possible that your mothers hurt you. There's forgiveness. There's healing. But how about being that mother that God has called you to be? 
And husbands, how about pouring into your wives so that they can fulfill that calling as a mother to raise this next generation for what it means to be godly men and women. I stand here before you guys today as a product, not only literally physically uh, of my mother, but spiritually. You see, when I was off in the world doing my thing, doing what I wanted to do, my mom was here praying. She was here praying on her, her hands and knees at times. In, in times when I, I would be in, in, in dark places, I, I, I would feel this sense of, of my mom just praying for me on certain nights. I would feel a sense of, of conviction for what I was doing to my mom's heart. And it's weird. It's hard to describe in this feeling that I would get sometimes when I would be out there in the world. But it was related to my mom. And I believe it was in those moments when she was praying for me. She would drag me to the feet of her bed sometimes when I would come strung over. She would drag me to the, the feet of her bed and saying, you're laying on, my, on the feet of my bed tonight because I can't have you going out there. And I would be there mad and angry and upset with her. And it, through that, through all the prayers that she, she prayed, the Lord by his Holy Spirit brought me back to the fold, brought me to, to humble myself and follow after him. And sometimes I, I, I do wonder that if she ever has a sense of, man, I prayed for him all those years, especially when I first got involved in ministry about 10, 10 years ago. I prayed for him all those years because I wanted him back home and then the Lord took him and sent him across the world away from me. And I wonder if she's ever like, ah, but now she has that peace knowing that I, that I am walking with the Lord. And that's the heart of a mother. So we love our moms. We pray for them. And we thank God that he gave them to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Lord God, if, if we have failed in, in being sons and being husbands and being daughters, Lord, forgive us. May we care for our mothers. May we forgive them. May we bless them, Father, and, and look after them and, and take care of their needs. I pray, Father, that this would be a call, Lord God, to, to sonship, to daughtership, one that is filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And may we just raise up the next generation, Father, of believers. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this, this service this morning. Continue to lead and guide Redeemed Church, Father, as we move forward. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.
Well, there's just uh, a little bit of painting done, but thank you guys for uh, all your help throughout this uh, this week, this season, just praying. And for those of you who are praying for us, for those of you guys who went out there, just a special thank you. I thank you for uh, helping us get the, the building ready, but still more work to go. So if you ever want to serve and just come on by and help us as we build, come on down. But we love you guys and uh, we're, we're praying for you. If you would like prayer after this song, go ahead and come up and we'll, we want to pray with you. And online, if you're listening, just send us a message. We would love to pray with you. Let's end this. Separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for me every day. Your love never Joy comes in the morning, I believe And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never For my good, yeah, you make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. God bless. We'll see you guys next Sunday here in the backyard. <laughs>